Good morning to each one of you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and I really enjoyed that, that little part of the service there. You know, it's God's design that we choose to be part of his family, part of his church. And in the local setting, it's, it's voluntary, and it's a blessing when people want to be part of the local body and to, to fellowship together with us. Thinking of the communion service this morning, uh, I had titled the message, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. I was wondering if we could say that together. Can we say, all, say that? I'll say it one more time and then you join me after that. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away, who takes away my sin. Let's say it together. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. And we'll do that several times throughout the sermon, so be, be expecting that. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, is where I've taken the, the text. John chapter 1, we'll begin reading at verse 21. Verse 29 is the text verse. I'll read that and then we'll go back and start reading at verse 21. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Let's go back to verse 21. And they ask him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? He answered, No. This is uh, John the Baptist talking. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that send us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they said, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, or Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes, shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethbarea, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When John declared uh, to, to the people, or when, uh, yeah, to the people gathered around him that, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, uh, that made a connection with the Jews. They, they understood all about lambs. This morning I'd like if we could join together in beholding the Lamb of God. You know, I have been guilty, and, and I assume most of us have, of, of underappreciating the Lamb of God, the slain Lamb of God that washes his blood washing away our sins. 
In our culture, uh, what do we think of when the fourth Thursday in November comes around? What comes to mind? Thanksgiving? Okay. What else? Food? Okay. Something else? Family? Turkey? Okay, that's what I was looking for. Turkey. You know, for the last, I didn't check the encyclopedia, but three, four hundred years, that's been part of our culture. Uh, Thanksgiving. And it's kind of unique maybe to America and Canada to have a, a Thanksgiving day. And, and uh, Turkey is, we connect with that. You go back 600 or 1,000 years, it was there, that connection was not there. For the Jews and their ancestors, uh, back 2,000 years, uh, there was a, a real connection between sin and a lamb dying. And even going back beyond that, uh, the whole way back to Adam and Eve, there was some connection between an animal dying in order to, to uh, atone for sin. But from the time of Abraham on, it, it, it was very much a part of God's people, their, their worship experience, their atoning for their sins. A lamb needed to die. One could hardly venture a guess how many lambs may have died over those thousands of years. You know, they had their, their Passover feasts, but, but there was lots of sin that happened between the yearly Passover. And many, many lambs died. When Jesus came, there, was, there were those that, that understood very quickly when John the Baptist said, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They were anticipating that. Others somehow couldn't capture that. And, and I think there's a lesson there for us. Those like Simeon and Anna, Mary, Joseph, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, we could name more. They were the kind of folks that, that looked inward and were concerned about their standing before a holy almighty God. And when they were introduced to the Lamb of God, that meant something to them. Here is the atonement that we've, as the Jewish people, have been looking for for thousands of years. And now it's happening. There were other Jewish people that were more concerned about what was going on around them. They were more political, we could say. They were looking for a king. They were more worried about Rome and Rome's oppression than they were about their inner life. And I think that's a lesson for you and I, a lesson for me. You know, I, I have a fascination with politics. I, I really do. And, and we, we have to be careful about that. Change in the world around us is insignificant compared to change within our own hearts. Let's never forget that. That's what tripped up the scribes and the Pharisees. They were worried about what was happening 
in the world around them, the oppression of the Romans, they were not that worried about the inner heart of their own lives. So let's remember that. This morning I invite you to page with me through Scripture and let's look at snapshots of the Lamb of God. The goal being to deepen our appreciation for the Lamb of God and His shed blood. You know what it's like for those of you that that have been married for 10, 20, 30 years uh, to take a family photo album and page back through the experiences of your family. You know, some of those things you forget until you pick out that book off the shelf and you start paging back through the, the cute little things your children did when they were toddlers and the little family projects that you worked together at, the, the camping trips, the vacations, whatever it may be. And you're, you're overwhelmed again and again with appreciation for your, your family and the things that you could do together. That's what I'd like to do this morning. Page through scripture and look at little snapshots of the Lamb of God and what he means to you and to me. Let's behold the power of the Lamb of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. If at all possible, we're going to be turning to a lot of scripture. I'd like if we could turn together. You know, there's gates of learning. There's the ear gate and the eye gate. And when we use both, uh, it stays there better. So let's try to, to follow along. Matthew 9. Let's read verses 1 through 6. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, there brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that they may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine, thine house. The Son of Man has power to forgive sin. That's a little snapshot of the Lamb of God that we're talking about this morning. What good would he be to you and me if he didn't have that power, that power to forgive sin? Let's go to John chapter 19. John 19, let's pick up at verse 7. This is uh, Jesus on trial. The Jews answering him, we have a law. He's, they're talking to Pilate. The Jews answered Pilate and said, we have a law, and by our law, he ought to die, because he made himself 
the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greater sin. You know, Pilate saw himself as this, this man of power. And here was this, this lowly man kind of at his mercy. Jesus said, no, you, you don't have any power. You don't have any power that is not given you. If we go back uh, a few chapters to John 10, Jesus elaborates on this a bit more. Here in John 10, we think of, uh, that brings to mind the, the good shepherd. That's kind of the main thought of that, that chapter. And we won't take time to read it all. We'll just jump in there at uh Let's jump in at verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the father knoweth me, even so know I the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Now verse 18, listen. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. We're looking at snapshots of the Lamb of God, the power, beholding the power of the Lamb of God. Let's say it together, behold the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. Let's behold the worthiness of the Lamb of God. Let's go to Revelation. This is, of course, after... Jesus is crucified, but it, it's uh, precious verses here that, that I really like. Revelation 5, uh, let's read verse 12, and then we'll back up and read verse 9. This is a scene in heaven at the end of time, and there's... Uh, there's thousands and thousands saying this together, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And back to verse nine. This is uh, the four and 20 elders, I think, are are. Uh, are singing this song. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book 
and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. That is a beautiful verse. It reminds me of, of uh, Jodus Yoder and his, his little saying that the, the human problem is universal. The divine solution is universal as well. And here, all over the world, there's people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus from every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. That's the Lamb of God that we're talking about here this morning. Let's say it together. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. Let's behold the heart of the Lamb of God. Let's go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. This is the story of, of Jesus coming to the home of Martha and Mary after their brother Lazarus had, had died. And it's a, it's a touching scene. We're looking now at the, the heart. We're beholding the heart of the Lamb of God. This, this setting was, was a troubling setting to, to Jesus. And it appears like what troubled him he obviously loved these people. He spent lots of time with them. But I think what, what is troubling him here is that people are not understanding that he is the resurrection and the life. He is the creator of the universe. He is the one who breathed life into human beings, to Adam and to Eve. And here he is standing in their midst, and it's a major problem that somebody died. That's no problem. I'll just raise them back to life. That's who I am. And they were not understanding. And he groaned within himself. Let's begin reading at verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in, his, in the spirit. And was troubled. And he said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaned in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. And we know how he called Lazarus forth and he came and he lived. He lived for some time after that. I don't think we have recorded when when he died again. But here they are. They're saying, you know, this this man who could who could make the blind see. Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? And Jesus groans within himself. Yeah, sure I could have, but I also can raise him back to life. I am the resurrection and the life. 
That's the heart of the Lamb of God. Back to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Let's read verse 36 through 38. We're talking about the heart of the Lamb of God. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We see the heart cry of the Lamb of God as he looks on the multitudes of people as sheep having no shepherd, just scattered fainting, wandering about, no one, no one to lead them. It grieved his heart. He had compassion on them. That's the, that's the heart of this Lamb of God, our Lamb of God that we're talking about this morning. Let's go back to John, a verse that probably we could Quote by memory, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the heart of the Lamb of God. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all human beings to have everlasting life throughout the endless ages of eternity. That's the heart of the Lamb of God. Let's say it together. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. Let's behold the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1, picking up at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourn here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was for, foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. The precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. That's the lamb of God that we're talking about here this morning. Let's go back just a few pages to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ being come, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. We're talking about the precious blood of the Lamb of God. He offered himself without spot. That's what makes his blood so precious. Blameless, spotless, giving of himself. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. Again, we would understand this to be a, a scene in heaven. Let's pick up at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. The precious blood of the Lamb was what enabled Jesus' followers to be overcomers. What a blessed thought, beholding the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Let's go yet to, to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, 
This is Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper. And he says this, Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The precious blood of the Lamb of God. Let's say it together. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away my sins.